0: Magishim we're here in our podcast studio Alpayam this is Mitch Mernick, and I am very happy to have here our visitor for the day, or at least for the next episode of our podcast. This is Ariel Rabbi Ariel Berger. And welcome here to Radio Ko Rama.
1: Tadarava, it's great to be with you.
0: So good. We met each other uh, over Shabbat, uh, or, or maybe just before Shabbat, probably. And uh, it's great to see you. So, and you, I know you came in t- you're here in camp for uh, a, a certain amount of time during the second session. Tell us what you're doing here at Camp Ramah, uh, Rabbi.
1: Well, I'm here uh, to teach. I'm here to um, spend time with visitors from outside of camp as well, in addition to some of the groups in camp. So uh, I was with clergy for Clergy Day last week, which was wonderful. And I'm excited for Grandparents Day, which is coming up this coming Wednesday. And I'll be spending time with those visitors as well. And in between, I'm, I'm doing some teaching, a little bit of behind the scenes thinking with staff about programs that have to do with, yahadut, Jewish education and art, omanut.
0: What do you, what what do you do during the winter? You're you're a teacher. Uh, what I'm do
1: do I'm a traveling teacher now. I'm I'm a, I'm really on book tour, uh, almost full time. So I'm traveling. In a few weeks, I'm traveling to Australia and New Zealand to promote this book that we'll talk about. Um, And over the course of the year, I'm traveling across the country to a lot of different cities. I think it's something like 21 or 22 cities so far, um, teaching and uh, conducting workshops and also doing some consulting to organizations around transformative Jewish education. And that's really what,
0: brings you down here because i really so much wanted to speak to you about your new book witness lessons from eli Wiesel's classroom by rabbi ariel berger and i have a copy in my hand i'm so glad you brought this down and and will introduce us to the book so and and i'm I don't know if it's true or not, but I am going to say this is the rabbi's first radio interview on this book, on Radio Kol Ramah. There, I said it. Whether <laughs> It may or may not be true. On Radio Kol Ramah, it's definitely ra- ra- true. <laughs> okay, good. So uh, tell us about Witness.
1: So Elie Wiesel was a Nobel Prize winner, human rights activist, Holocaust survivor, author. He wrote Night, which I'm sure many of your listeners have read. And he was very known for his moral stance and for being, as some people called him, the conscience of the world. He brought attention to issues of human rights and ethics and morality all around the world, very much driven by his Jewish identity and his experience of the Holocaust. He said, because we suffered, no one else should ever have to suffer. And because we experienced the world's silence, no one else should ever experience our silence. We have to speak up when other people are suffering. But what many people don't know is that he was also a teacher. And if you asked him, who, who are you? He always said, I'm a teacher first and last. It's what drives everything else that I do. He loved teaching and he taught for, for about 40 years, almost 40 years at Boston University. And I met him when I was 15 years old and over time became his close student and then his teaching assistant at Boston University. And at a certain point in 2008, I said to Professor Wiesel, as I called him, uh, you know, somebody needs to write a book about your classroom because no one really has. And he said, you're right. You need to write a book about my classroom. And that's how this book came to be. So you, you're really, uh, Hila Wiesel,
0: a man we we all know and we think we know him, but but you really know him. And he, he was a, a personal teacher of, yours, what, what, what was it like being in a classroom with him?
1: Well, so you have to imagine a classroom filled to the rafters with students, um, 60, 70 students from around the world uh, of all ages. There were undergraduate students and graduate students and postdocs and evergreen students who were retirees who were taking classes, not for credit, for their own enrichment. So it was a multi-generational really diverse group of students um, sitting on the windowsills and in the aisles because the room was so full often and at the front of the room stands a a very dapper man in a suit with a wild mane of hair um, and a smile on his face a very expressive face and we would have conversations about literature the class was called all of his courses were called literature of memory colon and then the the specific topic of that class so literature of memory faith and destruction or literature of memory literary responses to oppression or literature of memory banned and hidden books whatever the specific course topic was it always had to do with memory which for professor Riesel meant the moral dimension in education meaning whatever we learn whatever we read whatever we think about And whatever we discuss, how does it make us better people in practical ways? And how do we change the course of human destiny so that we live in a world where people are kind to one another, where people are courageous enough to stand up against hatred or or bullying, whether on the biggest scale of human rights abuses or in smaller ways when you see someone being bullied in a classroom or on the playground what do we have to do internally to build ourselves up to become people who can make the world better? And and his whole approach was about that. And so he would stand at the front of the room and we would discuss the reading of the week, which could have been Socrates or something from the Bible or Shakespeare or Jane Austen or Kafka. And it was a conversation. It was a Socratic dialogue between teacher and students. It wasn't a frontal lecture. He would begin with a question like, what is this book about? Something very open and students would contribute slowly. They were shy often in the beginning, but they would slowly contribute their thoughts. And over time he would tease out from them a conversation about the essence of the book and the author's intent. And he would share stories about the author's life and the interface, the intersection of the themes of the book and the historical experience, especially of the 20th century and how it applies to today into our lives. And along the way, there were intense moments talking about human pain and suffering. There were joyous moments and moments of tremendous humor. The class would laugh together often. And there was a lot of emotional range. So it was a very spontaneous approach to teaching, a very organic approach to teaching. And for many students, it was very transformative. And how many... uh, So...
0: So this wasn't going into a classroom with a dour discussion of a historical Holocaust nature at all. This was a a totally different perspective, the professor's perspective.
1: Yes, and in fact, Elie Wiesel taught one course about the Holocaust in his entire career. The first year that he taught in, in a university, he taught a course on the Holocaust, and he never did it again. And I asked him why not, and he told me it's because it's not my job to bring my students to despair. It was just too intense and too heavy and, and too dark. And so, it's, so does that mean that Elie Wiesel didn't teach about the Holocaust for the rest of his career? Of course not. He taught about those issues and told those stories, but he did it through the study of literature. He did it in a roundabout way that was safer for students and more digestible for students and, and led them to a place of, Understanding the the intensity of what happened, but also gave them a sense of hope. So, so in the book, what what
0: uh, when someone picks up the book, what what will they be reading? What will they be learning about his thoughts, his lectures? Can you can you give us a a brief digest of what one could. Expect picking up your book witness.
1: Yes, the book is designed to be a window into his classroom So I really tried to convey The experience of sitting in class with with Elie Wiesel in in the most vivid way possible And the book is thematic. So I, I really focused on the central themes To which he returned over and over again as a teacher. So the book begins with a discussion of the role of education and memory and the power of memory in awakening us to moral action. And I tell the story in the first chapter of a student who asked Professor Wiesel, how did you keep going after the Holocaust? And his answer was learning. And he told us a story about how on the day of liberation, which by the way, is the the moments after the last page of night, right? I always wondered what happens after night is over after the book is over. What happened next? This story takes place right afterwards, right after liberation. And he said that the adults in charge of all the children, the orphans, who were eventually going to be sent to orphanages in France and Switzerland, the adults asked the kids, can we get you anything to make your lives better? And he said, I remember Professor Rizal in class told us, I remember one, one young woman asked for chocolate because she hadn't tasted chocolate in so many years. And another boy asked for a sweater because he he was cold and he had been cold for a long time. He said, I asked for the same volume of Talmud that I was studying before the war so that I could continue my studies at the exact same line and the exact same word where my studies were interrupted. And that's what kept me going, that curiosity, that love of learning. And he said that I think learning can save all of us. And so that, that first chapter begins with a discussion of What exactly did he mean? And what kind of education can change the world? And why is teaching and learning so powerful and valuable and important when it's done well? And I talk about what that means in in Elie Wiesel's language. What does it mean to have effective teaching and learning and memory? And then the book continues into other themes, faith and doubt, um, the role of activism, the role of madness and rebellion. Um, how do you communicate beyond words when you're trying to communicate something so important or so immense that words can't capture it? And I talk in those in that chapter, I talk about the moments when Professor Wiesel shifted from words to song. And he would sometimes sing in the classroom. He would sing a nigun, a Hasidic melody of his childhood. And he would sing with his eyes closed, swaying, with deep kavana, with deep intention. And he did that when he when he felt that he had reached the the ends, the limits of language. And along the way, I'm also telling the story of my relationship with him and the moment I met him when I was 15 years old until, until the end, my last meeting with him three weeks before he passed away and uh, and what it means to me today to be a student of Elie Wiesel.
0: Remind us, when, when did he die? How long ago?
1: A little over three years ago.
0: So uh, this book was being written. He knew you were writing it. He didn't get to read any of it at all.
1: He got to read the first sketches, not even full chapters. And the, the first, we talked about the architecture of the book. I had questions about whether it should be thematic or chronological or some other organizing structure. We talked about that a lot. And he got to read some of the early sketches and it gave him a lot of nachas, I think, a lot of pleasure to see that. Well,
0: I'm sure it would. So this is not a biography. No. Um, here at camp, when we first came into camp, we're coming towards the end of of the summer. When we first came into camp, these books were up front and the, people could borrow them. And we were told there'd be a book discussion, and that's coming up now. So tell us about the book discussion coming up, because... Uh, people uh, may be listening to this podcast on US and uh, some of the people coming uh, are coming up next week for this discussion, or might be thinking of coming up. So tell us exactly what's going to happen the last week of camp this summer.
1: Well, so two things to share. One is that as the, the book came out in November, and as I mentioned, I've been traveling to talk about the book, and one of the interesting things that's been happening is that a lot of communities have created book clubs or discussions around the book, around certain chapters or certain themes or the book as a whole. And so I'll mention that there's a downloadable discussion guide on my website, which is free and very useful if you want to build your own book club at home or in your home community and my website is www.arielberger.com a-r-i-e-l-b-u-r-g-e-r.com and you can go to the section uh, uh, called witness which has downloadable material and i'm hearing from people about the kinds of discussions and kinds of conversations they're having and so there's a lot of room to focus in on a particular theme or to talk about and think about things that are in the news today and and what Professor Wiesel, what Elie Wiesel, would say about those things. Here at camp, uh, I'm going to do something that he did, which is begin with people's questions. I wanna begin with where where people are. The the staff who are gonna join us and others who join us might be coming in with particular questions or particular um, interests, and I wanna capture that before anything else because I want to respond to where they are so we're going to begin with that conversation what's what's on your minds after reading the book or thinking about the book or perhaps people have encountered Elie Wiesel in other ways reading Knight or his other books or maybe people have seen him speak or heard him lecture Um, and that will drive what we do Um, but I will say that one of the most important themes that is so relevant today is the The second chapter, which originally was going to be a later chapter, I moved it up in the book because it felt so fundamental to his approach to learning, which is a chapter on otherness, on how do we deal with difference and how do we disagree well. And there's a a piece there that I think about a lot as I'm hearing the news every day of what's happening in this country and elsewhere um, that really borrows from Jewish tradition and the tradition of Chavrutah study, where you study with a partner and you disagree for the sake of your partner's understanding. So it's a kind of arguing from a place of love and common purpose. And that's one of the things that I've been talking about a lot in these moments when I get together with people to discuss the books because it's so relevant right now. We have to learn how to disagree well, and Judaism has a lot to teach about how to disagree well. We're good at arguing, right? And we're good at arguing even with ourselves. And you you know the famous joke about the Jew on the desert island who builds two synagogues, you know, one I go to, one I never go to. And we have what to teach about how to do that well, even though we joke about it. And so that, that theme is very much on my mind right now. And depending on where people's interests are, we may talk about that in more depth.
0: And and this book talk is coming up. It's it's tied into Grandparents Day. Is that right? So I'll I'll be
1: speaking about the book at Grandparents Day. Right. And I think it's at 1230 on Grandparents Day. Don't don't hold me to that. But um, yeah, I'll be talking about the book and we'll have time for questions and answers. There will be some books available for purchase and I'll be signing books also after that. So
0: so this is a so. A lot of people, I, I, I would have guessed, including myself, think, oh, yeah, sure, I know Eli Wazel. I read his books. I've heard his sound bites on the news. Uh, I know everything there is to know about Eli Wazel. But really, you're, you're coming w- with a perspective. And, and just in this brief few moments that we're here in the studio, I, I, I learn Eli Wazel kind of uh, uses. Um, how he used literature to uh, literature to make sense of a senseless world, in a sense, and then uh, the way he he personally was able to put one foot in in front of the other, he personally put one foot in front of the other um, by focusing on his own education. You know, it I, as you were saying that, I was kind of very briefly thinking of Viktor Frankl and how he kind of made sense out of a senseless world with uh, empathy and volunteerism. I, I don't know. Uh, th- yeah. That's just where my mind went.
1: Yeah, it, it was. Look, it's a question. It was a question that that I cannot understand fully for every survivor. how How did every survivor, how did each survivor find a way to keep going? And each one had a different answer and one of the things that is so striking is that almost all of those answers involved some kind of affirmation of life whether it was just having a family just the choice to have a family just the choice to have a child after surviving the Holocaust is a radically hopeful choice to build a business to join a synagogue or build a synagogue that's what a lot of survivors did and you know, they didn't come out of the camps and destroy the world or, or take acts of revenge. They really chose life and it's because that's our tradition. But it also is a choice that each one of them made. And, and for Elie Wiesel, it, it had everything to do with learning, the celebration of ideas, the celebration of learning, and the choice to become a teacher as well as a father, which was a very, very hopeful investment in the future.
0: You know, there's a uh, some pictures. One picture here, he's smiling, and uh, it looks like he's he's enjoying his young students uh, so much. He, he loved being with his young students, yes. right? He, he loved that college
1: environment. Uh, he loved it so much, and I love that photo. It captures his joy in teaching, and he really felt that. It gave him a lot of a lot of joy, and I think a lot of um, a lot of energy to do the other things he had to do, which were always were not always as pleasant or easy. Did um if someone wants to pick this book up,
0: and we'll talk about how well that's done and, and who published it, but what do they have to have read Eli Wiesel's writings before they pick up this book to appreciate it?:
1: No, I think it's useful to know a little bit about who he was, just the fact that he uh, played such an important role on the international scene in advising presidents and prime ministers but i cover that in the book as well so you don't have to have any pre-existing knowledge in fact this could be a gateway to his writing this is a nice way to begin if you after that you read this book you want to return to his writings he wrote something like 40 books perhaps more depending on how you count um, starting with night and then works of fiction and works of non-fiction everyone has their favorites so this could be a, a a way to uh, Deepen an understanding of who he was after reading his books, or it could be an entryway to reading more of his works.
0: We're here with with author and teacher, Ariel Rabbi Ariel Berger, with his new book, Witness: Lessons from Eli Wiesel's Classroom. And I know you're. We we gotta let you get out of here soon. I know you have a class coming up here at camp for our listeners. If you can come up in a couple of days for Grandparents Day, there's going to be an entire book discussion on this. And you don't have to have read the book before you come. It'll be interesting and you could buy a signed copy of the book. Um, Rabbi, tell us uh, who published this? Where do do you pick this up? How can one, what's the best way to get a copy of
1: your new book, Witness? So it's published by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt and uh, you can get it on Amazon to search for Witness Lessons. The full title is Witness Lessons from Elie Wiesel's Classroom. But if you just punch in witness lessons, I think you'll find it. You can also get it at Barnes and Noble and other local bookstores. And um, if you go to my website again, arielberger.com, there's a a list of something like seven or eight different ways to find the book. And um, it's very easy. It's even uh, downloadable on Kindle. And there's an audiobook version as well. And we'll make sure to have a link to that on uh,
0: where where our podcast Will be posted, Ra- Rabbi. Um, I'm so happy you came down to uh to bring us and wi- to bring us witness lessons from Yehuda Wiesel's classroom. Really, a unique perspective because you were in his classroom and you knew him over years. It wasn't that you you took a semester class for uh, six weeks and and now you're you're writing about him. You knew this man. You knew this man as a young boy. You were a young boy, and then. For years and years, and became his his teaching assistant. So, so what a what a wonderful, wonderful uh, opportunity. I think a great gift for Hanukkah, which you know is right around the corner. Really,
1: that's that's, <laughs> that's actually why the publisher put it out in November. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and uh, I'm going to talk to you. I want to purchase a copy and get you to sign it before I leave. Or, Ooh, happy to listen, um, uh, Rabbi Rabbi Ariel Berger. Thanks so much for joining us here on radio Rama, really really appreciate your time
1: thank you very much Ms. do
0: radio
1: kolrama